tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. John, this is episode 50. Did you know that? Wow, it feels like way more than that. (laughs) Uh, You know what? It's uh, 50. 50th anniversary. I know it's not our 50th anniversary, but 50th anniversary is the gold anniversary. And guess what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about Kingsman, the Golden Circle. I see what you did there. Yeah, see? So, episode 50, we're going to be talking about Kings. We're going to be doing a review of Kingsman, uh, the, gold cir- the Golden Circle, at the end. Uh, but, as always, we're going to get into some geek news first. Uh have in mind that when we do talk about Kingsman, it's going to have spoilers in it. So if you hadn't seen it yet, go and watch that and come back and listen to us. You most definitely should watch it. It was worth the price of admission. Definitely worth the price of admission. Uh, so let's talk about some articles we got going on. Haley Atwell posted a picture on her Instagram of her wearing all the the dots on her face for, you know... Um, motion tracking. Motion tracking. Thank you. It says, uh, she posted, don't question my process. It's very serious. Selfie thug life. <laughs> right. Now, uh, I believe everybody is is anticipating or speculating, that's the word I was looking for, that this is for Avengers 4. Uh, she is going to be uh coming back as her peggy character carter. peggy carter mm-hmm. and more than likely she will be um aged up just like she was in captain america winter soldier so uh i believe the last thing i heard is that it it might be like the 80s version of her or maybe the 90s version of her because we saw the 80s version of her in ant-man oh that's right so i think it's supposed to be the 90s version of her and uh which would might involve Captain Marvel because we know that the Captain Marvel with with Brie Larson is going to take place in the 90s. All this retroactive continuity is going to be awesome. Yeah, you know, uh which goes to what exactly what uh Samuel Jackson's character Nick Fury says in the first Iron Man, do you think you're the only person with superpowers? <laughs> and also uh the hints of his involvement with um the beginnings of shield and with howard stark yeah although uh, correct me if i'm wrong uh in at least some continuities wasn't uh tony St- or not tony stark um nick fury one of the howling commandos yes nick fury was the leader of the howling commandos in the comic books um yeah they decided not to go with the whole nick fury is uh drink the 
the Infinity Formula, I think it was called, made it, which gave him the longevity and made it so that he was, he lived, you know, past the the age of, uh, you know, most World War Two veterans, or at least lived longer and de-aged him. So they gave that position to Captain America as, as the leader of the Howling Commandos. Now I'd like to believe that uh, it. Nick Fury is actually uh, the Howling Commando with the boulder hat. And no, that's that's uh, Dum Dum. Oh, yeah. you're saying in the movie set in the MCU? Yes, in okay. the MCU that uh, something happened along the way, and similar to like let's say uh, uh, what happened to that North Korean general in uh, what was it Die Another Day? Had a okay. that, that gene therapy that changed his race. Uh, that could have happened to uh, to Dum Dum, and you know he became Nick Fury. Oh, that that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be uh, it would be terrible. Was but it Die Another Day or was it Casino Royale? No, that was Die Another Day. Oh, Casino okay. Royale was the good Bond movie. <laughs> yes, it was a very good good no, movie. No, Die Another Day was the one with Madonna. But wasn't but didn't didn't the same thing happen to? Um, uh, What's that guy's name? The the character that's uh, Hannibal Lecter now, or he was in Oh, Matt Mickelson. Yeah, wasn't that his character in Casino Royale that he had changed his genetics or something, but he still had the bleeding eye? Oh no, no, that was just a, like a defect he had from whatever happened to his eye, and like he was asthmatic or something. But no, like he they, <laughs> they didn't go so sci-fi heavy with uh, his character. It was more just like his his uh like you know, evil character defect. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about a couple of sequels that are getting made decades after they came out. First, we got Coming to America 2. They have gotten themselves a writer and a director. The director is Jonathan Levin, L- Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E, Levine? Levine? Levine, that makes more sense. Uh, Jonathan Levine uh, directed Warm Bodies, Amongst other things, and then the creator of Blackish, the TV show, Kenya Barris, will be writing the script. Um, nobody can see this right now, uh, but I am like rolling my eyes a little bit because why? <laughs> why are we getting? <laughs> because uh, every you've stated it, everything from the eighties and nineties is, is in early nineties is coming back. It's been thirty years, so. It's the ripe time for hey, let's do it again. This this is what kills the the what makes nostalgia good though. We get too much of a good thing and then they just start throwing everything to see what sticks and then hey, look at look at it. It is now the highest grossing horror movie of all time. Yeah. So we haven't hit the apex yet. We haven't burst the bubble. No, that's true. But it's going to be too big to fail. You'll see. <laughs> so, uh, Nerdist is reporting that even though Murphy hasn't officially signed on to, for the project, uh, the Hollywood Reporter reports the the actor will reprise his role as Prince Akeem. So far, no release date has been set. See, that's worrying, though. Saying that uh, he hasn't signed on, but they're confirming he will be back i mean that's two different things right there (laughs) i mean that's and they could totally do it without him too at this point so that would be even worse in my opinion i mean if you're gonna do it you might as well do it with him but 
I have serious questions about the people they have in charge of making it. <laughs> Honestly, I want to know is uh, how has the Soul Glow Empire lasted throughout the decades? <laughs> I mean, people don't really wear jerry curls anymore. Or is McDowell's still a thing? Or is McDowell's still a thing? You know, did McDonald's finally come in and just sue them into oblivion? You know, th- there's going to have to be some callbacks to that, I'm sure. Maybe he moved on to a different franchise. Now it's going to be a search engine called Boogle or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but, but, I mean, he would have the the money of, of a small country, you know, behind him. A small, prosperous country. Unless they've fallen on hard times. They could have also fallen on hard times. Who knows? Maybe, uh, although, like uh, I was mentioning earlier while watching the trailer for Black Panther, like, I'd love to see a mashup of the original Coming to America trailer and uh, the Black Panther. Because if you think about it, uh, maybe there is some kind of shared universe going on right there. Ooh. You have uh, the Kingdom of Zamunda and Wakanda. I mean, they sound like they could be sister countries. They could. Maybe they're, uh, the royal families of these two nations uh, might even have some some distant relations going back generations, you know? Maybe. That's and, interesting. Uh, you know, you never know. Maybe at some point, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy was character was being trained in martial arts by uh, <laughs> Arsenio Hall. <laughs> I don't think that <laughs> Arsenio Hall was training him. I think he was more of his sparring buddy. His partner his, looked like it was his polo buddy that yeah, well, yeah, they go and do They definitely were instead. wearing polo stuff in the beginning yeah. of the, the morning for some reason. I guess they were going to go do some polo and then and then training. So what if uh, Zamunda had their own version of the Black Panther as well? And that happened to be what Eddie Murphy was being trained for. So it, went, it, it was uh, King Jaffi Jafar first. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, James Earl Jones was the... Yeah, the, the, their and version in, of the Black Panther. And, and instead of a big, panther in Samunda, they have a lion because he was wearing that. He big was bigger. Lion yeah, pelt. that's yeah. true. A big old lion pelt. Um, so that was symbolism right there. We just never caught it. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Uh, unless unless it looks like it's completely garbage, I will definitely be there to see it. Coming to America is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, me too. I definitely watch it at least once a year when when the blues hit. <laughs> it's it's such a funny movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, so skipping ahead a decade to 1993, we have uh, the original screenwriter Mick Garris of Hocus Pocus talking to Forbes when he says it's amazing to be a part of something that has become a perennial. It wasn't a hugely successful movie when it came out. It was only modestly successful. I wrote the first eight years uh, earlier. I wrote the first eight years earlier, but it was when it turned out that Bette Miller was interested and wanted to do it. Uh, She was a very, she was at a very high time in her career. That that it got put on the fast track and it started happening again. Now it has become an annual thing at the El Capitan on Hollywood Boulevard. And the show is sold out. I went there last year, and one of the ushers actually recognized me and gave me a tour of the theater. Generation after generation, it's kind of remarkable and fantastic to have something brought to the screen like that and to have it embraced generation after generation. Everybody I meet, it's either their daughter's or their own favorite movie, and it's incredibly exciting. There have been rumors of a Hocus Pocus sequel for the last 10 years, 
that will not die. I have heard that they are developing the script. I haven't been involved in it, but I think there will be a sequel. It might be for Disney Channel or Freeform or ABC. I think it will be the t- it will be for television, but I hear that it is moving ahead. And I think it's all. I think somewhere down there, it all, they also talk about you know none of the actresses are coming back to do it. They all are coming back. They're not coming oh, they're back. Not. They are not. So it's a sequel to Hocus Pocus, but the original cast is not involved. Correct. At least none of the three witches are. Correct. Interesting. And uh, and it would be made for TV as well. Oh, on a TV budget, no less. Now, what's interesting here <laughs> yeah, is that... Yeah, wait, you say TV budget, but it is a Disney, you know, TV. You know, this this is ABC, Freeform, and Disney Channel. And these are the people making Inhumans, which they threw an insane amount of money at. And there's obviously no, no one's going to watch because it looks terrible. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's true. Like, it, it's, it depends on who's in charge of the production because Inhumans had... From what my my understanding is, they had a respectable budget, um, but you certainly couldn't tell that from watching the finished product. No, it's, it's very very bland and terrible. <laughs> uh, that being said, I'm wondering why the original cast wouldn't come back. I mean, it doesn't seem like many of them have anything going on. And I was just reading that uh, Sarah Jessica Parker just confirmed that Sex in the City three uh, is canceled. Apparently, it was. Uh, going to be in development and now she's coming out saying uh yep never mind that's not happening uh you know i don't know i mean i guess they don't technically have anything going on but uh they also don't need to do it i'm sure but yeah exactly this isn't a charity for us fans that like the movie and you know they're all much much older now i mean they're at least two decades older. It fit in with the you know witch theme though. Now I have. I guess that's true. I have an opinion about that too, by the way. So, I've always found it interesting, and this is just me speaking, and um, I can be kind of a chauvinist. But I've always felt that although I find Sarah Jessica Parker uh, very unattractive in real life, mm-hmm. I feel like she makes a very very hot witch. <laughs> I, I I honestly think that she is a very attractive lady, but uh, I did remember in Hocus Pocus thinking that that, that wasn't just Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, I remember watching Hocus Pocus and, and the, the blonde witch being super hot, and then when someone told me later on in my life that that was Sarah Jessica Parker, I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Two different looking ladies completely. But, uh, I mean, I see it now yeah. as, an, as an adult, but, yeah, they... She, I did not realize that that was her. Uh, let's just put it this way. If I ever meet her at a bar and she wants to get frisky... <laughs> Matthew Broderick's like, going to be there to be like, hey, back off. No, he'll be busy running over people. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a murderer. Look it up. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it, it, well, let's say he's not there. Okay. And, and she's like, hey, you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm visiting Yuma for a uh, location scouting or situation, whatever. Uh, let's go back to my uh, Hilton suite. I'd be like, okay, but you got to put on the witch garb because this here isn't doing anything for me. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, there you go, Sarah Jessica Parker. You ever come to Yuma, you have an open invitation for for John if uh, you wear the if, witch garb. If you look like the witch. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, does, it does have a quote from her saying, in 2016... Uh, I would love to do a sequel. I think we've all been fairly vocal about being very keen, but that hasn't created any groundswell of movement. So, uh, I don't know. 
We'll find out. Oh, Bette Midler also said, after all these years and all the fan demand, I do believe I can stand and firmly say an, un- an unequivocal no. Harshness. Yeah. So there, there you go. I mean, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's not, there's nothing to miss. Well, I mean, as long as the technology for animatronic cats has improved since, you know, the 20 years ago, that is already... Uh, <laughs> well, I, I imagine they would just go with a CGI cat at this point. At this point, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of cat, talk about some blue cat people. Uh, so the only a decade out, Avatar 2 finally has started its production or filming. Has it been 10 years since the first one already? It, maybe not 10 years. I don't know. What, they came out in 2009? Oh, yeah, close enough, yeah. And when, I mean, once once uh, it finally comes out, it will probably be 2019. Actually, the first one's scheduled to come out in 2020, so yeah, it will be... A, it will be... T- it will be 10 years. 10 years, man. Where does the time go? Uh, it, it, it goes. <laughs> it goes into making movies, apparently. It, it, there you go. Um, so, uh, I mean, what did you... I find myself... I find a lot of people, like, nowadays... Like, nowadays, just... A lot of people now seem to bash that movie. I still enjoy it. I still think of it as, as a good movie. I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't... Probably haven't seen it again in the last eight years. So I, I don't know, but I remember really enjoying that movie. Yeah, I only saw it the one time in theaters when, and I went to go see it in 3D and thought to myself, "Oh, they did a really good job with the 3D on this thing. Like it actually makes sense." <laughs> um, yeah, the the trivia visuals and everything was pretty cool. The story was, uh, you know, somewhat generic, but it's generic, but it's it's it's. But with James Cameron flavor added to there it, you, you go. Know, it spices it up just right. You know, it makes it palatable. <laughs> um, all of, my only real concern is, do we really need more movies? Because it just felt so self-contained. Yeah, and you know, I really, honestly, I wonder what the next what because he, he has four movies planned. Like, so what are those four movies going to be about at this point? I mean, I I remember hearing rumors that we're going to go like underwater. There's going to be like underwater. Uh, Navi, I guess. Right, yeah, the race of people that live underwater. There's going to be, and it's eventually supposed to go into the space around uh, Pandora. So, yeah, I don't know. Who I mean, knows? Maybe if we visited a different planet in the Pandora system or something. But, <laughs> I mean, I. Who knows? If Cameron does good sequels, you know, with the couple that he's done under his belt. So, uh, if anything, we can say it's going to be an entertaining ride. Okay. Uh, not so much a sequel, but a reboot. The showrunner for Lucifer, uh, let me see if I can find that person's name, Joe Henderson, is going to be doing a reboot of Flight of, excuse me, sorry, Flight of the Navigator with the Jim Henson ca- Company in Lionsgate. Yeah, so going back to the whole nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I still I can't honestly tell you what the plot of Flight of the Navigator was. I, I know he went to the future yeah. by accident, but other than that, I can't I mean, is I guess it's all just about trying to get back to his his own time. Yeah, it's essentially uh it's the reverse of back to the future, it's back to the past. Um 
But have, what was the alien ship doing there in the first place? Uh, the alien ship was uh, it it well it was a uh, like a not a scouting ship it was a scientific vessel that went around exploring the cosmos and uh, it would take samples of life for study and then uh, put them back home or you know hopefully without them noticing they were ever gone. Um, but for some reason, it has to transport those specimens from different planets to their home world to study there and then take them back and because they try to acknowledge the fact that you know space travel can take a really long time relatively speaking um you know they actually have the ability to time travel so they take the subjects back to the exact moment they you know took them from well except humans are kind of mushy and don't respond well to time travel so it would have been too risky to take the kid back to his original time Mm mm-hmm and so instead they're like okay well this is good enough we'll just leave him here eight years from where we originally found him because you know they probably live much longer than us and eight years is only a drop in the bucket it's the same as the next day as we would see it honestly i think they're artificial beings too the the ship that he's in i don't remember if he gives him a name or not i think he does but I, i do remember the ship talks like Pee Wee herman after he assimilates the uh like the mind of the kid like he he takes some of his knowledge somehow before that he speaks very robotically mm. and i think that was supposed to be paul rubens in like an uncredited role see and you know what i i i, I think i remember hearing about that and i was like because i remember as a kid i was thinking that doesn't sound anything like peewee herman like it it sounds it sounds like someone trying to sound like do an impression of peewee herman like bobcat goldwaith doing peewee herman <laughs> a little bit yeah. and then i remember like looking it up or someone saying something to the to the effect and i then going to look it up and it, it actually is paul rubens so i wonder if he had he, if he was purposely changing up the voice or doing it a little off so that you know people didn't think it was him Possibly, I think around that time he was still experimenting with the Pee Wee Herman character. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever heard the Nerdist interview that he's on, where he talks about the history of the Pee Wee character, is actually really funny. Mm-hmm. He was just mainly doing that character to piss off his like his other improv troupe that he was part of. I think it was uh, not Second City, but one of those that's based out of L.A. I can't Groundlings. Remember. There you go, Groundlings. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we kind of came out of like animosity towards his like <laughs> cohorts, um, and I think at that time he was just really trying to push that character on everything he was doing, and that's why that uh, ship, whatever that nickname was for it, just ended up having that voice. Um, you know, along the same lines, I also remember a movie called The Explorers. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, I remember loving that movie so much, and I had Robert Picardo in like three different roles in that movie he was the voice of the main alien um he had a cameo as a a character in a movie they were watching at the drive-in and i think he also played like a human character that was just normal but who's robert picardo robert picardo is the bald dude that was in star trek voyager as the doctor oh oh okay yeah he was in uh gremlins 2 the new batch that's exactly he was like one of the xx or something yeah, 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 that dude. Um, and uh, uh, inner space, he's the cowboy. Yeah, man. <laughs> see, you know Picardo. He's, I know his face, and he's obviously a character actor. I just yeah. never knew his name. And that's why I remember his name because I remember watching the Explorers and like, you know, the 
under the list of who played who, Robert Ricardo was the alien guy, whatever his name was, and the character from the drive-in, and some other dude. It was like, so he showed up a lot. Yep, and that's just one of those funny things about childhood that sticks with you, and you don't really know why. It's just burned in your memory all time. <laughs> right. Um, My last words will be Picardo. <laughs> I'm going to have it on your gravestone. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, okay, so what do you think? Do you, do you think that... I mean, I obviously with the special effects that they, the way they are now, CGI wise, it probably could look pretty amazing. But is that a story that needs to be retold? Not really. I don't think it was very. I mean, it was probably a modest success in its time. Um, a lot of things from the '80s that we're nostalgic about became cult classics. They weren't really appreciated in their time. Big Trouble in Little China was kind of a flop, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite movies, and it's got a huge following now. Uh, And that's true for a lot of different movies and properties from back then. So this is really just trying to cash in on, like, our love of that uh, property and those memories. The people who grew up at those times are the ones that are spending money now. Yeah, you got to stop doing that, people. We can't support bad nostalgia. (laughs) It's it's an endless cycle. It's an endless cycle. Uh, Okay. How about some TV stuff? TV. Uh, Underworld. Len Wiseman, who, uh, you know, did a lot of the Underworld, uh, either producing or directing it, is making Underworld into a TV show. Uh, I, I mean, did you see the last Underworld movie, Bloodlines? Honestly, I've never seen any Underworld movie. Really? Yeah. I mean, the first one w- was great. I thought it was definitely something cool. It lo- I mean, that was, what, 2003 when that came out? Um, Kate Beckinsale and, whew, oh my goodness. But after that, I, I, I mean, 2002, or I mean, Underworld 2 was, was, was decent enough. But then the third one was the prequel. The fourth one was set further into the future, and she ends up having a daughter. And the fifth one set even further, and they introduce you know a different type of vampire and like blood. And that was Bloodlines, and it's just I don't know. It 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 it, it was a underworld. The first underworld was a had its time, but I don't think it it aged out well. So. I don't know how a TV show is going to do about it. it. I don't know if we're still doing vampire TV shows. <laughs> uh. And plus, not only that, but like the werewolves were fairly intricate in the movies. I mean, they were bad CGI, but still, that was Hollywood level of CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to do that with TV, and it's it's going to look bad. So yeah, I, probably. I would imagine they have to resort to prosthetics and makeup. But then you just run into having, like, a Buffy-looking TV show, I think. I mean, I liked Buffy. I thought Buffy was a great show. Oh, Buffy had great writing, and, you well, know, it worked. Exactly. But, I mean, they had to work with their constraints. All the vampires looked like Star Trek aliens because they just had a forehead prosthetic, basically. Yeah, yeah forehead prosthetic and, and plastic teeth. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I mean, obviously they would need... It would need something to, to make it stand out because what what really could it be? And you can't really do the whole leather and, like, double gun Matrix style. Yeah, that, see, that, that was a product of that time, too. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's no longer really relevant. So, like, what would it be now? Are we going to get 
would they set it somewhere in the past where they could justify not having to have crazy technology and settings? It could be somewhere more like realistic and manageable. I would assume that it would definitely be uh, basically a reboot where you're going to be telling the story bef- that happens before the first movie and stuff like that. Because once you get the first movie, you're introducing the Michael Corbin character who uh, comes from the bloodline that created the first werewolves and vampires because they're immortals and they're the son, the two sons, one was bitten by a wolf and one was bitten by a, a bat. So the bloodlines from there became uh, vampires and, and werewolves. And then you got the My- Michael Corbin character who gets uh, both vampire blood and werewolf blood and he becomes this, a hybrid of the two and he's super fucking awesome. I mean, once you introduce that, it's kind of all like, well, where do you go from here? I, I already glazed over everything you just said. <laughs> I'm like, uh, pass. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I might go back at some point. If it's on Netflix, I'll try watching the first one. Because just like I said, I've never have. And maybe I'm missing out on something. Kate Beckinsale's a hottie. So at least there's that, I she guess. Is. But yeah, all of that stuff. I mean, like I think vampires are done. I think uh, that level of action is done. Of set in like kind of a neo-gothic world it's yeah just that, yeah just like nah, enough of that already it's something new <laughs> okay well here is another tv show for you maybe you're more interested in this um scott derrickson the director who uh, directed dr strange as of recently um is has started uh filming on snowpiercer the tv show now did you watch that movie uh, I have not, but I did see several videos on YouTube about it that like broke down and analyzed the symbolism, and it looks like it's a really interesting movie. Um, I'll just tell you now that I thought it's uh, it's pretentious and, and overhyped. I could see that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't a fan, so um, yeah. If you, you you ever get a chance, you should definitely watch it. I, I I can see how that would definitely play out better as a TV show because I, I believe it was a comic book too uh, before it was a movie. I think so. I think it was a graphic novel, maybe from maybe like Korea or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, in in another country. Um, now. I, I don't think I mean I definitely don't think I'll be watching it, but it's it's something that gained a lot of popularity, and I don't even believe it, it went to theaters. I think it went straight to VOD uh, when it came out, which was kind of amazing because of the cast that was in it. You know, you know, like Chris I, Evans after already being Captain America. I believe Gary Oldman's in the movie. Was it Gary Oldman? I know um, the Man in Black. What's his name? Ed Harris? Ed Harris, I think he's in it. Yeah, he's. I believe he's the conductor. Yeah. I'm not sure about uh, Commissioner Gordon, but yeah, I know Captain America's in it, and he fights the the Ancient One. That's how I relate to all characters it, now. Every, everybody, like, whatever they played in a comic book movie. Yeah, whatever they were in a comic book movie, that's what they are from now on. So like, oh, <laughs> Tilda Swinton is in the movie. The rom-com with Captain America and uh, Scarlet Witch or something. <laughs> Did they do a rom-com together? Oh, I don't know. I'm not they were in surprised. Perfect Score together, which wasn't a rom-com, but it was them. It was them as teenagers trying to steal the answers to the P, to the SATs. Ah, well, there you go. So they were in a heist movie together. Heist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my favorite one is how uh, Robin was went to the same high school as the Joker. 
Oh, in uh, Ten Things I Hate About yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's a thing. That happened. That, that was a thing, yeah. Um, I bet you there's another... There's got to be... So Was there someone else that was in a uh, comic book movie in that movie? In Ten Things I Hate About You? Uh, Gabrielle Union. You know, she, that's someone that they should tap to do a comic book movie, I think. She could be, yeah. She's good enough. Um, I'd no. be thinking of the dude that was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's friend, but... No. I know he was in Firefly, It's right. He was in... He was in Serenity. In... Mr. Universe. Oh, Serenity, yes. Uh... Uh, I know his name too, and I can't think of it at I the know moment. Me too, he yeah. was like the head elf from Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, dude, really? Wow!" And I like him, but he he's always all over the place, you know, with his with himself. So, uh, all right, well, if if you get a, if you check out that show, you definitely have to keep me updated. If you don't, then we'll we'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, a little bit of casting news. Um, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but at earlier this week, they were eyeing or at least talking to Brian Cranston to play Sully in the Uncharted movie, which, you know, already has cast Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, uh, which I remember when I first heard that Tom Holland was, was cast as Nathan Drake, I thought that was just like, oh, they're going to use him as the young version, like in a flashback or whatever. But no, that's he's Nathan Drake for the whole movie, uh, which I, I I mean the the guy is twenty one, he just doesn't look it. Yeah, he's very baby faced, and I thought Nathan Drake. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. What was that one that's more like South American, Just Cause? Sure. I think so. No, I, I was getting my game franchises confused because I'm not as much of a gamer these days as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike one of my friends who was camping out at 2 in the morning at Best Buy to get that Super Nintendo classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I know nothing of the franchise. When you say Brian Cranston's being courted to play Sully, I have no idea who that is in the game <laughs> series. In so, I mean, I've never played the game. I've watched uh videos of the game and uh on youtube because sometimes i i just i just like to watch the cutscenes of stuff because i think the stories in a lot of video games are pretty awesome and you know it's like extended movies like most of them are like four hours five hours long if you watch them just for as a movie um but sully is like this older guy that um basically taught nathan drake a lot of like how to be an adventurer i believe now when i was when i watched those cutscenes, i always pictured um bruce campbell as sully so it's interesting to see uh brian cranston's the one that they're talking to obviously you know an acting powerhouse so good for them yeah it's almost like nowadays he brings uh credibility to a project he definitely does and he and he is as, as much as he does um, acting in project. He's also a producer for a lot of things, like Sneaky Pete. I don't know if you watched that off of no, Amazon, uh, or maybe it was Hulu. But uh, great show. But he produced it, and he ended up being kind of the protagonist on that show, which uh, which is pretty awesome. Hmm. Instead of instead of the antagonist, or I'm sorry, he's the antagonist instead of the protagonist. Uh, but yeah. Brian Cranston, Uncharted. 
we'll have to see if that happens. I mean, for a long time, everybody, I, I remember a lot of people like wanting uh, Nathan Fillion to play Nathan Drake, but as much as I love Nathan Fillion, he's just, he's just over the hill now, you know, he can't be playing the young hero. Yeah, that's what sucks when your heroes start getting up there and you're like, oh man, like this dude would have been perfect for so many cool things back in the day. And right? I mean, I would still love to see him as, as Hal Jordan, but he's just, he's older. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's done the voice though, right? He's done the voice many yeah. times over. Yeah. Yeah. And, which is funny because also in uh, was Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon, the, 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 um, the series, mm-hmm. he was the voice of Vigilante. As opposed to uh, Hal Jordan, because Hal Jordan wasn't in that show. It was uh, John Stewart. He was Stewart. in one episode. He was in one yeah. episode. Uh, okay. Uh, other casting news: Michelle Williams in talks to play uh, opposite Tom Hardy for Venom. I think she's going to play one of the other symbiotes. Uh, I don't know. It's it it sounds like she's definitely going to be playing the love interest to Tom Hardy's character. And is Tom Hardy going to be uh, Eddie... Eddie Brock, Brock? Yeah. yeah. At least that's what he's supposed to be. I, I believe that's what he's supposed to be. Because, I mean, in the comics at this point, we've had Venom be like other people. Right? Yeah, he was uh, Mac Gargan, the Scorpion. He was also um, Flash Thompson after he went to the, in the army and lost his legs. Oh, interesting. So Flash Thompson got it and he became a hero. He was Agent Venom, and they kind of did a thing to try and make sure that he... Uh, stayed on the good, so good side. So is he like a hybrid of like Captain America and Venom? Like he was some kind of super soldier? Thing yeah, kind of. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Ancient Venom. Nice. Yeah. He was, he, was, he was very cool. Um, So I don't know if there is a... I think at some point I saw that they, they were... T- someone had mentioned a uh, Lady Venom, but I don't know if that's a thing in the comic books. I, I, Could she be called Lady Anti-Venom? Well, they. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I get you. And, and that, Eddie Brock was at one time anti Venom, also. So. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't. I really. I still don't know what I think about this movie, about this Venom movie. Tom Hardy, like, I'll. I'll I, Tom Hardy's awesome, so I, I like him in just about anything any movie does, even if he's just in a movie where he's sitting in a car talking to other people on his Bluetooth, like for two hours, which is what. Um, Oh, what was the name of that movie called? Or yeah, what was the name of that movie? Phone booth. No, uh, it's it's a it's a last name. Nah. Logan. No, it wasn't Logan. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. Anyways, it, in the movie, he's you know dealing with personal uh, situation, and and it's just him trying to drive from one place to the other, and he's talking to the people that he has to talk to over the phone. And it's a very riveting movie. So, hmm. yeah, if you ever get a chance to check that out, if I could remember what the name of the movie was. Yeah, we'll find it after. <laughs> Put it in the post notes. But like I'm saying, Venom, I, I, it's, cause it's it, because it's it's this Spider-Man universe stuff that doesn't exist also in the MCU. It's It just seems so weird and, and confusing. I don't know how I feel about that. Like... And I, I feel like they're still very vague on whether or not Spider-Man can show up in these Spider-Man movies or not. If he's only allowed to be in the Spider-Man movies and the MCU movies. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, the whole situation's kind of screwy, and I wish that Sony would just play nice, or maybe they have one too many box office bombs, and they have no choice but to sell Spider-Man <laughs> back to the only company that could afford to buy him. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they would all just be one big happy reunited family. Although I am hearing some interesting rumors about. Uh, the upcoming Infinity War, one of my fan theories may actually be true. Which is that? Which is that Spider-Man might find the symbiote during Infinity War. I mean, that could definitely happen Why we get the Venom movie. And then we're, I'm also hearing similar reports that uh, at the end of Infinity War, or maybe as a setup to the sequel of Infinity War, uh, we're going to see... The introduction of the Fantastic Four. Ooh, now that would be awesome. Yeah. Now I think it's interesting that it seems like every Spider-Man movie, then we're going to be getting a new suit for him. Like he—he's essentially Tony Stark, you know, Iron Man. Like Iron Man's had a new suit in every movie, and Peter Parker, Spider-Man's going to have a new suit in every movie because the the suit that they showed at the end of Homecoming apparently is the one that he's going to be wearing in uh, Infinity War. Is what I I believe heard um i think that's going to be one of the suits he'll wear I'm yeah i'm pretty sure he'll yeah. have at least three Ooh, three i think he's going to have his normal like spider suit that was given to him by tony stark okay and then that metal one or whatever that other one is that spider armor looking thing right and then i think he's going to get an upgrade uh because at some point he's just going to get completely tattered mm-hmm. and that's going to lead into him finding the venom the symbiote and, you know, things will progress from there. Okay. There you go. Uh, all right, Michelle Williams, if you get it, more power to you. Uh, last bit of news, Olivia Munn was out talking about, uh, I believe, her new movie, Ninjago, the Lego movie. Which is doing gangbusters from what I hear. And of course it is, because <laughs> all these Lego movies are doing great, and I, I can't stand them. But anyways... Uh, they were asking her about Dark X-Men Dark Phoenix and, you know, her character, Psylocke. Uh, in an interview with Collider, Munn says, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to be vague. That's my answer. I'm horrible at that. It's like a two-parter, this movie. That's more than I've said in general. I don't know why people have to be so secretive. So I think the big part that everybody's taken away from that is that it's a two-parter. Uh... X-Men Dark, Fe- Dark Phoenix, yeah, is going to be a two-part movie. What do you think about that? I mean, the Dark Phoenix saga is definitely a big part of uh, a big story, so two parts make sense. It does, but at the same time, it seems like it's... Why are they still trying to milk the Dark Phoenix saga so much? <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's a story too big to tell, and even in a trilogy, I mean, X-Men... The original X-Men uh, movies, if you consider those as a trilogy... They were building up to that, you know, with the first appearance of what could potentially be Dark Phoenix, or at least just the Phoenix Force, in mm-hmm. just a real cre- uh, quick scene in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Then you started having, like, in the sequel, uh, Jean Grey saying stuff about how, you know, ever since the, the the Statue of Liberty incident, like, just things haven't been the same, and, you know, she's starting to feel like she's going out of control. And then that movie ends with... Her sacrificing herself, and you get the tease of a phoenix on the uh, the lake. Yep, that's right. And then the third movie, 
which is all about the phoenix with the subplot of the cure and uh, all that other crap totally just threw that away like well she was definitely uh amped up in power in the third movie she was but was it really the phoenix force or was this just like well we don't know how to pay this off let's just make her more powerful (laughs) well i mean that was those those first three movies were definitely um the the way like they like look what they did with juggernaut you know he's not a mutant but they changed it so that he was a mutant in that movie and uh uh I don't know. Some there's other characters that were that are part of the X Men universe that aren't mutants, but they they made them into mutants for the movies because that's what they're doing. They, they're all everybody's a mutant. Um, I don't know. Uh, the the Phoenix Force I think is is a huge story in the X Men mythos. So if they're gonna pick a story to do, that's definitely one that they should do. That's why I think you, as you put it, people are still milking the Phoenix saga and look they're coming back the character's coming back in the comic books oh really yes Jean know. Grey is finally going to be coming back again why am I not surprised about that one <laughs> uh, in which I think the the bigger part uh, the bigger interesting thing is that you bring back Jean Grey as the Phoenix Force or with the Phoenix Force you also have Rachel Grey a younger Jean Grey and uh, Emma around and then I think oh and Hope so all these people at, at one point or another, I believe, have had the, the Phoenix Force in them, or in the case of Hope, was supposed to. So, who's to say, you know, how that's going to affect when, when Jean comes back? I don't know. That's At this point, it's like, well, any writer can write it however they want, and it's, it's going to make sense within context of what they're doing, and it may not even apply to anything else that comes later or before so i guess if you're a really big fan of gene gray you know specifically and of the phoenix saga in general mm-hmm. this is great news for you it's very great news for, for casual you. fans it's just like whoa like all this other stuff's gone on behind the scenes that i wasn't even keeping track of so i guess if they do a good story i mean as long as it's not as shitty as a uh, age of apocalypse was which should have really been called Weekend of Apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, he just comes, kind of comes and goes. With Weekend at Apocalypse. Weekend at Apocalypse. <laughs> there we go. You got uh, <laughs> you got Magneto and uh, Jake Xavier with uh, Apocalypse in between them, hand over their shoulders, you know, dragging this carcass around. Yep. <laughs> ah, 80s nostalgia. See, that's one they should remake. The weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. You know, I wonder. I wonder how much you can get away with for Weekend at Bernie's, a remake with Weekend at Bernie's. Like I was talking about this with with someone else. Like, could you get away with doing a remake of Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds in this day and age? Because they did a lot of terrible things. Very politically incorrect. This is true. Well, you know what? It's true. The eighties were a time and place where. Sexual crimes were treated <laughs> as laughing as, things as, as boys as, will be boys as misdemeanors at best. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, you can't really do a porkies these days. No nope. meatballs. No. Nope. Or Biloxi blues. All these things from my childhood that um, I probably shouldn't have seen when I was a child. We, d- we definitely should have seen these when we were children. Um, <laughs> I mean, these things are what made me what I am today. Oh, God. 
Um, but yeah, like if if you're not gonna do them right, then why redo them? You know, and it's like I was saying about the it uh, remake is. It had an R rating, but it really didn't need it. it yeah, you didn't. I mean, for didn't, like, except right. for that one scene with Georgie, and even that, like, with just a few edits, it it, it could be pared down to a PG thirteen easily. It's all, so, it's all 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 that terrible uh, language that Richie was using. I guess, yeah, with um, all the f bombs, which <laughs> apparently now were were causing problems on the set of Stranger Things because, because he was he, too used to cursing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like the, the, I, I think I'm starting to feel the early signs of nostalgia burnout for '80s with with all these things being done. Yeah, I I I, I hear it in your voice. Yeah. Definitely sounds like it. It could also be that I'm tired and and like drained from having seen a really action-packed movie and also have a very stressful job now so <laughs> all these factors all right well you, you brought it up let's talk about the movie that we came here to talk about jumping all the way to 2017 if you haven't seen uh, kingsman the golden circle yet definitely pause the, the podcast go watch it and then come back because we're going to be spoiling it now uh were you a fan of the first movie yeah, absolutely. I missed it in theaters, and I don't know why, because I wanted to see it. I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I saw it on TV. Uh, I think it was on video, rented it or something. And I was like, holy crap, that was awesome. You know, like, take the the James Bond tropes. And in a weird way, it was kind of like what Triple X was trying to accomplish, but failed miserably at, which was turn the whole suave spy thing on its head and you mm-hmm. know, reinvent it for the modern age. Well, I mean, I, and I definitely see it as a comic book movie. Like, it, it's got all the elements of a, a big-budget comic book movie, big-budget superhero movie, but with, with the with the spy genre. genre. Yeah, it's, it's very... The action is so over the top. <laughs> as it was in the first one, and the second one is, is exactly the same. Uh, yes, over the top is is definitely it, and but it does it into a point a point where it doesn't feel uh, uh, painful. I mean, I don't know a better way to put it right now, but um, like when you watch certain things where it goes over the top, you're just it's just cringeworthy. Yeah, where you check out. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm no longer invested in this. No, yeah, this within the constraints of the universe they've built, it feels plausible. But even the even though the even technology the, is even more outlandish than the first time around, I mean, you got mechanical dogs or robot dogs, uh, like essentially robot arm that's like almost sentient with how flexible that. <laughs> no thing kidding, was. yeah. Um, and yeah, some some stuff, some action sequences that like would have like broken the spine of a normal human being. <laughs> Uh, yeah, these guys survive quite a bit. I, I kind of equated it to the action sequences from, like, the Charlie's Angels movies. Yes. So, in a way, Matthew Vaughn is kind of like a talented McGee. <laughs> I actually like the story that he's also displaying and not just a mindless action. Let me ask you this. Since both of us are big fans of genre films and sci-fi and uh, all that kind of good stuff, do you ever get to a point sometimes when you're looking at uh, actual real life stories or real life reports and they are talking about a piece of te- technology and you're like wait we already have something like that or why don't they just use this and you then you re- you have to think 
think for a second and be like, oh, that's just science fiction. That That's something that, that isn't actually a real thing yet. Yes, primarily with things like heads-up displays. Okay. Um, I'm so used to seeing like the kind of toys that Tony Stark uses and even movies from like the 80s and 90s that have these really fancy either holographic projections, uh, 3D displays, or just really, really awesome renderings of real-time data simulations. Uh, say, for instance, they're scanning a building, so all of a sudden you have a whole blueprint of it, mm-hmm. and you can scan to a certain floor from different angles and see who's <laughs> in it. I mean, hell, even like RoboCop was doing that. Yeah. And I'm really disappointed that, it, at least in the civilian sector, we don't have that for reals. I can't say what exists in the military world. I know they're usually a little bit more advanced than they let on. But um, in my experience working in that sector, um, yeah, it's not that good looking or clean or polished. I also I also think like like the one that usually gets me, or at least I, I, I often think about is like, uh, like uh, bio tracker chips you know like something inside your body that that is tiny enough that you don't notice it but uh, powerful enough to reach a satellite and you know if someone could uh can track you wherever you are well kingsman showed us that they have that technology but it's <laughs> very very naughty very naughty uh so yeah that that's that is uh what you know kind of what i was going at so okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so basically, like uh, some kind of high tech suppository, or well, I mean, not just. I mean, in, in real life, maybe just use something that someone cuts the you know top layer of your skin, puts it underneath there, and then and then sews it back up, and now they have a tracker on you. Yeah, I've always wondered because I know Casino Royale did that. Do we have such a thing as hyposprays? Is that a real thing? I don't. Oh. I don't even know anymore at this point. Because <laughs> that's something I've been seeing for, like like I said, decades. It's like, oh, it's a, we don't use needles anymore. You just put this next to your skin and like a high-pressure spray just sends it right into your bloodstream. I'm like, is that even medically possible? Like, is that how that would work? What's the, they call it hyposprays. I remember that from like Total Recall and a bunch of different movies. Yeah, 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 you're right. And they have that in Star Trek... Uh, the, well, the remake or the reboot with Chris Pine and all of them. That's what Bones keeps injecting into <laughs> Captain Kirk when he's got the big hands. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I definitely have that problem where reality and, and fantasy kind of blur and you don't know what's real technology and what's just made up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first movie, uh, we lose Harry Hart, Galahad of the, of the Kingsman. Played by Colin Firth. Played by Colin Firth. Now, uh, Marvin, or Marv, uh, Matthew Vaughn has gone on record of saying that he really wishes that they, the trailers for the, um, for the movie, this movie, had not spoiled the fact that Harry Hart was coming back. I know. Like, that would have been a, such a cool reveal. It would have been a very cool reveal. And uh, I understand that. Like, even in the movie itself, it has flashbacks of Harry Hart before, uh, they reveal that he's alive so that, you know, the parts where Eggsy is, you know, remembering uh, when Harry was teaching him how to be a gentleman. Like, you could easily have used that in, in the trailers and, and explained why Colin Firth is there without having to reveal that he, he's still alive. 
the way that they go about explaining how he's still alive uh i don't i don't know so much about that you know like that that one kind of really got me like i was hoping for a better explanation but uh yeah i was like holy shit you guys have something that can save a person's life even if they've been shot in the face i mean that should be everywhere like yeah maybe right next to like those defibrillators and like you know in case of emergency break glass you know i mean for any type of uh head wound like yeah and i mean obviously then they bring in the magic word of nanites you know like it, it science fiction kind of anytime people need to get healed it's it's nanites to the rescue yeah so that's you know that's how they brought him back uh, apparently the statesman the the american version of the kingsman uh found found him seconds after valentine shot him in the face and were applied the alpha mix what was it called uh what was it alpha wasn't it alpha poppy or something like that no not poppy either way uh they applied it to him and it, it's it, it somehow carterizes oh, the wound. i was thinking of the antidote for some reason yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah 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 the the basically yeah like the solution that they are put is like some kind of a uh, like a foam, like a ceiling foam for yeah. the head wound. Yeah. And then the nanites are injected and, and basically start to reattach everything. But but they don't, they don't, I guess they only save the brain. They don't fix his eye. No, uh, that would have been just too far-fetched <laughs> to think that we could have saved an eyeball. The technology just isn't there. In a world where you can have a full-on prosthetic robot arm and robot dog guards and whatever else they were doing that it was like what <laughs> and i think that's uh i think that that leads to uh, one of the things that you were uh, kind of alluding to earlier about um how the movie goes in a lot of different directions and trying to throw you off like i thought the technology that they were using um was going to be that poppy uh played by julianne moore had provided it to them uh, that she was going to be a lot more involved in the statesman, especially since she makes it a point to kill off all the Kingsmen. Now, she has Charlie on her team, which who was the recruit from the first movie that didn't make it in and obviously had a problem with Exy. And Exy defeats at, the, at Valentine's lair. But uh, she doesn't take a... She doesn't take take out the the statesman at all yeah it's now i wonder if it's just because she didn't know about them i mean the 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 plot basically involves um what was the bad guy's name again poppy no the the, the oh valentine that, no the one that was the former recruit for this the King charlie King. charlie there we go uh so the only reason why poppy knew about the kingsman was because uh charlie was working for her and they hacked the that one car right with his prosthetic arm that got all the information for the still living kingsman the kingsman that survived being uh mark strong's character and uh Exy. and roxy and roxy roxy is the one you're talking about it from the first movie 
No, but she didn't survive in this one, right? Oh, no, no. She didn't survive in this one. Okay, yeah. But, so but she made it into this one. From she made it into this one, yeah. But uh, what but, I'm saying is... But then again, Mark Strong didn't didn't survive this movie either. That's true. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. No, but what I'm saying is at, at the point of the story where they killed all the, the Kingsmen with the exception of Mark Strong... Oh, and okay. I see what you're saying. Um, at that point, they didn't even know about the Statesmen. That's true. But the I, I, I just feel like the idea that... Uh, She's trying to pull off this global thing, and she had. Uh, I guess I. Don't, I guess it, it all relies on Charlie because the whole thing about she finds Charlie gives him a new arm because and and a new vocal box because those are the things that got messed up after his uh, implant didn't explode the way that everybody else's is because Exy electrified him and shorted out his his uh, implant. It, it's it's a little too convenient or not convenient enough like she she has this big plan and even if uh the kingsman hadn't come to america to talk to the statesman they would have found out about this plot anyway so then they would have had to thwart Pop- poppy anyways you know what i mean or would they? Because as we saw there was a, a mole or a traitor but he wasn't a mole for poppy uh, Pedro Pascal's character, Whiskey, no, yeah, Whiskey. Yeah, he was Whiskey. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't working for Poppy. He just was okay with Poppy killing off all the the drug deal, you the drug what? users. That's in the true. That wasn't very clear for me. But now that you pointed out, yeah, he wasn't working. He was just cool with letting it happen. Yeah, which which is another thing that you know, kind of, we got from the first movie as well because. In the first movie, <clears throat> the idea, which is also a plot, the plot for the Da Vinci Code Inferno movie, but uh, the idea is that the world is way overpopulated and we have to cull a, a few million people or maybe in a few billion people so that the earth can survive and we as a race can survive. And you, you kind of, you're, I mean, I don't know. Maybe just me, as as an audience member, is like, yeah. I mean, th- th- that is kind of what needs to happen. I'm not, I'm not condoning <laughs> mass genocide. That's terrible, and it should not be done. But yeah, I mean, we as people are definitely killing the earth and thus killing ourselves at some point. Now, in this movie, you, they posit kill off all the drug users. You know, even if it's just recreational, they're they're still part of the problem and you know it's only the the people that are breaking the law that are that are going to die so why is it that we have to worry about it it's a very moral uh dilemma situation there right so uh i mean i would say that that's that was that's that's a matthew vaughn does does well in in doing that and in figuring out a way to Make it so that the antagonists of the movies are, even though they are over-the-top bad guys, uh, so to speak, they are doing something that probably has crossed your mind at least once in your lifetime. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to be able to have some kind of superpower where I'm bulletproof and then I can be like, oh, cool, now I can go and, uh, you know, stop all the bad guys. Yeah. So, um... Her, she herself, Julianne Moore, Poppy, is a drug, the head of a drug cartel. Uh, she lives in a very fertile 
deserted island volcano where you know the soil is probably fertile enough to grow whatever she she needs it to grow she makes she exports cocaine heroin and and marijuana yeah she looked like she was somewhere in like the peruvian mountains it was like jungle and crazy looking and she's well guarded and well uh um fortified and definitely has a very interesting way of making people prove that they're loyal (laughs) yeah and it's really bizarre because well we haven't even gotten to like really describing her character but she's quirky she's definitely quirky she has a a fascination for 1950s nostalgia now i thought that was interesting that she's she's nostalgic for the nostalgia not for the 1950s itself but the nostalgia that came out of it in the 80s yeah so she like they even she even points out like I really like uh, uh, Happy Days and Greece and Greece and, and you know, graffiti exactly the, in which are all those things that came out in the eighties about the fifties and then she's also a really big Elton John fan and she's but that's the seventies but weren't some of his songs kind of throwbacks to the fifties oh, okay like fair enough rock yeah and, yeah you're right okay. Yeah. So, in which we see Elton John in this movie, and yeah. he does a real kick-ass job of kicking ass. Now, would you ever imagine in your lifetime that you would see Elton John in an action movie role and actually kick ass? I would never imagine that, nor would I ever imagine that he would be in full fucking <laughs> colorful outfit from one of his uh, 80s um, concerts, you know, flamboyant would be putting it That's mildly. Definitely, yeah, a way of putting it. So, yeah, no, I doing a flying fucking ninja kick, you know, <laughs> with the platform boots on. I would never have thought I'd see that in any time time period ever. Yeah, that must have been pretty special to uh, have seen that. Uh, so the 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 one character of Angel that she welcomes into her uh fold at the beginning of the movie he has to basically kick the ass of and kill the person introducing him into uh the fold and you know we never really understand why it is that that guy gets in trouble but then the next scene that we see angel in he gets killed because he did something wrong yeah he was sampling the merchandise now i think it's kind of funny you bring that up because um yeah she even says Hey, Angel, so your buddy here, um, I want you to throw him in the chipper. He messed up. He messed up. It's not important what he did, but, like, you can't just shake your head and say, yeah, you'll go along with everything. You have to do it. So, you know, him being, I guess, Angel, to show that he was an opportunist, went ahead and betrayed his friend who was bringing him into the fold and threw him into the meat grinder. Which, by the way, that has to be the cleanest meat grinder I've ever seen function. Cause <laughs> well, that whole kitchen was the cleanest kitchen I've ever seen, too. Yeah, like, it, that thing separated the meat from the clothes with no blood. I'm like, <laughs> None whatsoever. That is and awesome. bone, too. And bone, too, yeah. And that led to a really kind of disturbing scene where you see her make a patty with the ground-up meat of the friend. And when he comes back from getting his uh, quote-unquote makeover, which was essentially getting branded with a gold tattoo... <laughs> she had just finished preparing a burger for him that he now had to eat to prove his loyalty. A burger made of his former friend. That, and that was just, I mean, ugh. I mean, because the, the, the friend goes in head first. So 
most of that burger is brain. Yeah, and if you remember from the book of Eli, you shouldn't eat brain because you can get the Kreutz shrink. Jacobs disease. Yeah, that's right. Which, uh, yeah, it's bad for your nervous system. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her ultimate plan is she's laced her drugs that she exports with a virus that at first gives you a strange blue rash, which definitely looks like it's like someone poured Windex into your nervous system and it's showing up on your skin. I thought it looked a little bit or like circulatory the system. palladium poisoning from Iron Man. Yes, a little, a, bit. a little bit like yeah. that, too. Um, I also kind of thought it was funny that because the drug was in four clear stages, it reminded me a lot of the drug from 21 Jump Street. Oh, yes. They, they kind of did a similar yeah, thing. Like in stage the way one, mania. Stage two, dancing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, stage one was uh, was the rash. Stage two was mania, uh, which yeah. they the news dubbed it the dancing disease. Because the mania just made people start dancing. Uh, then stage three was paralysis, and stage four is eventually death. Now, <laughs> I thought uh, it, early on in the movie, Channing Tatum's character uh, starts getting the blue rash. So he obviously at some point either took heroin, cocaine, or marijuana. I'm, I'm guessing you're supposed to believe that it's marijuana. Probably, and uh, he is struck down with the with the disease, thus taking him out of the movie for a good, I want to say eighty percent of it. Yeah, he's like barely he's, in it. He's advertised as a big part of this movie. He's not in it now. I I'm thinking that's because he's going to be utilized for future Kingsman movies, spinoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Eh, I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a spinoff. The Statesmen don't really seem as interesting to have their own spinoff. Now, this is ter- terrible because I'm a horrible person, but when they mentioned they were going to go to Singapore, I was like, ooh, is there going to be a, another clandestine group of super spies called, like, the Chinamen? <laughs> I was like, oh, Dude, I should keep that to myself. Yeah, and you didn't. I did not. No, <laughs> no but I, that, honestly, that's what I want to know. I want to know if there are other independent, in, in, intelligent company or agencies in these other countries. I mean... Uh, what I mean, what could they, you know, what, 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 obviously, what could they be? But uh, I would, I would love to see that, and maybe we'll get a taste of that in the, in a third movie. Now, I'm Mexican, so I can say this. Okay. Uh, I'd like it for the uh, the clandestine group that operates out of Mexico to be the Tacoman. <laughs> I don't know if they'll go with that, and, and you. But think of it. Are think you of allowed how to awesome. speak for all the think nation of, of Mexico? I, I represent all Mexicans on this podcast right now. Fair enough. You do. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I am their voice for those that cannot speak. And um, think of it, though. I mean, it is kind of silly to 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 even postulate this, but you have the uh, the taco men. They would be very good with knives. <laughs> You know, chopping up meat and stuff. Uh-huh. All their little carts could have hidden compartments with guns and whatnot. Um, you know, they, they would be really bomb at making tacos, first of all. You know, that would be cool, too. But they would also be really cool at, like, handling, you know, themselves in a fistfight and using improvised weaponry. You know, they could pick up the chopping block, use it to, like, you know, deflect. You know, they could be, like, bulletproof chopping blocks. You know, we already know if an umbrella can be used to block bullets. <laughs> Then yes. Then yes. Like anything is possible. And and just think the giant sombreros. 
And I want the yeah, <laughs> dude. They used the baseball bat as a minesweeper in this movie. They sure did. A sombrero can sure as hell be like a freaking satellite dish or something, you know? Oh no, I just, I just, I picture odd job kind of things. You just taking the sombrero and flinging it at people and cutting off their heads. You could do that too. That'd be kind of big and unwieldy, though. I think it'd be something smaller or something like that. But yeah, you know, and um. Yeah, so I'm going to stop it there, though. I don't speak for other races, but there, you could definitely have some fun with this whole concept. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the, the the big global thing is that everybody is afflicted, or a lot of the world's population is afflicted with this uh, problem, and and the whole, her whole keeping them hostage, her ransom demand is that uh, they legalize drugs in america i thought it was odd that it was specifically america i think even it's supposed to be the whole world but uh, he she was dealing with the president mostly because she felt that the president would would be able to get it done and once the u.s did it everyone else would follow suit mm, okay i mean that could definitely be I, I didn't feel like that was portrayed in in the film but I mean, I, I could, I could it's see that. It's in the that. subtext. It's in the subtext. Yeah, read between the lines. Fair enough. Now I wanted to bring up something that uh, I definitely didn't want to forget, uh, and that is, I actually really loved all the callbacks to the first movie. Primarily, the fact that they carried over the relationship between Eggsy and the Princess of Sweden. Yeah, I thought that was odd. That because was so cool. Because which. I, it's kind of just a throwaway joke in the at, at the end of the last movie. Right. It's like, if you save the world, you can do me in the butt. You yeah. Know? But there is actually some more substance to that there. Like, they actually formed a relationship. I'm like, that's so sweet. Which goes against the, the trope of, like, James Bond movies because he's a spy. He can't be nailed down by one particular uh, um, mate. He has, he has, yeah, lady. He has to, you know, be able to move around, and and you do see that as a conflict in the movie. You know, yeah. at one point he's kind of to 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 move on. He has to uh, sleep with a female asset, and he doesn't know what to do because he's in a loving relationship with the princess from Sweden, and uh, he so he's just like, well, he calls her, and she, he he. It's got to be an odd conversation to have. Hey, to save the world, I kind of have to have sex with this other girl. And at first, she's like, uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't think that's a good thing. And he's like, but I want to spend the rest of my life with you. That's why I didn't lie and keep it from you. And she's, she throws out, oh, is this a, a wedding proposal? You know, a marriage proposal? And he's like, wee, woo, wee. Uh, you know, in the, the true male fashion stereotype fashion we i'm not talking about any kind of commitment here i just said the rest of my life you know yeah he did that old chestnut of uh it's like wow they, they slow your roll there it, it kind of got real now yeah <laughs> which also had to be like behind the most soundproof curtain ever <laughs> that's, what this, it, that's exactly this. what i said too oh okay i thought that's what you said too because i was like Wait, like they were in a tent. Like, I mean, it was a nice tent, very fancy. Definitely a fancy tent, but I yes, mean, with a tent like indoor plumbing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but but there was no walls. It was all fabric, and like one room over was this girl who was waiting to like bork his brains out, and he was having this like serious conversation with his fiance, well, not even fiance at this point, just girlfriend, um, about like having to, you know, have to pork the another girl to for the greater good. 
um, which he ends up not doing, spoiler alert, but he does get to finger blaster in order to plant a <laughs> tracking device. Yes, and, and after he, he plants the device, he says, she's, she gives the dialogue of, oh, now it's your turn. He goes, nope, nope, I can't do that. I'm in a loving relationship, and uh, I have to go now, and he just exits out. So I want to know your opinion on just exactly how this whole him implanting the device uh, made you feel, because... It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. But it was kind of graphic. <laughs> it's it's graphic because of what it implies. But yeah. you don't see anything. Like the closest you see is that his the fingertip, uh, hits the rim of her underwear. After that, it all becomes CGI. Well, no. Well, maybe you like turned away out of modesty, and I wouldn't blame you for that. But from my recollection, and uh, it looks like. He does more than just reach the rim. You see that hand go under her panties. But I, at that point, it's CGI. And then, and then, yeah, it, then it turns into CGI, and then you get the uh, what would you call it? The internal view. Yes. Of what's but, happening. No, I'm, I'm talking about even before the internal view. Like, I, I think you can tell where it, the the physical hand ends and the CGI hand begins. See, that's technology run amok. If you, can't, if, if you can't even film a simple finger bang without having to resort to CGI... I don't that, think that they had to resort to CGI. It's just, you know, maybe the two actors were not uh, comfortable with certain well, things. Well, it's not like you could see their faces, though. You could have very easily have gotten, like, stunt uh, genitals. And well, they did. Uh, Taron Edgerton, r- reportedly, Taron Edgerton was very uncomfortable with the scene. And they got the actress's actual husband to film that scene. So it's his hand, even though you don't really see a cut. And Taron Edgerton's face is kind of still in the scene, like, but in the background. That still would have been for like a very awkward situation, I think. <laughs> well, obviously, yes. I mean, and the camera was right in there, too. So <laughs> I had a good view of it. Uh, okay. Okay. The movie in general, like what 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 are things that worked for you in this movie? Uh, I really liked the callbacks, the references to the first movie, uh, the continuity, uh, even the stuff that was kind of iffy, like bringing um, Galahad back. Mm-hmm. It still worked. I mean, they found a way to bring him back. I mean, I figured he was going to be gone for good, and he basically would have been if it wasn't for this crazy miraculous technology. So I didn't have too much of a problem with that. And I liked having him back. I thought he was a really cool character. Um, I like that nobody is safe because we lost two characters that carried over from the last movie that I really liked. Yes. Um, You know, Mark Strong, I felt like he had more to contribute to the franchise. And now he's uh, blown to bits. Yep. Uh, Lancelot, I really liked her character as well. Um, She was a very uh, interesting and useful character. And she got blown the fuck up. Yeah, she did. Um, along with pretty much all the other properties uh, of the Kingsmen in the in Europe, apparently. Uh, they all got torpedoed or missiled. Torpedoes, I guess, are underwater. <laughs> um, and uh, I really liked just a lot of the action pieces. There were a few sequences. They were very dangerously bordering on mean-eating Dramamine. Because mm. uh, they were just a little too spinny, topsy turvy. 
It, and that's when, yeah, they they kind of do a repeat of the church scene from the first movie, but it's it's more open space and it's it's Harry and uh, Eggsy uh, together. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that scene where they're in that uh, ski lift thing. Oh, the gondola. Yeah, that was a little almost too much. Mm, okay. I was like, ugh, like, okay, like. I'm having flashbacks to the Gravitron with this thing. Here now. <laughs> That's a good. I thought the Gravitron as well. Yeah. <laughs> Were there things that you didn't like in this movie? Yes, I didn't like uh, some of the things they didn't acknowledge about the first movie, such as the ramifications and aftermath of the Valentine massacre. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Like, I mean, with an event like that that happened, you know, there would have been several. I mean, even though it didn't go as far as they wanted, but there would have been several thousands deaths probably you know at least yeah a couple of thousands yeah. of people dead um and uh in uh, not a not not to mention property damage and you know all that kind of stuff i thought some things were too over the top like the robot dogs robot dogs were a little yeah, little much like yeah like with the, with the little cylon eye and she also mentions in it that because uh, when she's giving uh charlie the new arm she says, oh, he, uh, my, my guy has whipped this up for you. So it made me think that she's not the mechanical genius that would do something like that, but more uh, she just hires the right people. Yeah, that's what I got, too. It sounds like she's, I mean, she mentioned that she was, like, incredibly rich because of her profits from her drug business. She just, like, nobody could know about it because, you know, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I could totally see that. I mean, she obviously had the resources to have like huge plants crank out all you know kinds of uh, antidotes for her drugs uh we saw only one of them in italy but apparently they were all over the world yeah like she said she had one in every major city around the world i'm like that's a lot of cities it's a lot of cities yeah so i thought that was kind of interesting but um i guess i i mostly liked the action i didn't like a lot of the overtop technology uh, I liked the carryovers from the first movie. I didn't like what they didn't acknowledge about the first movie. Um, and I guess just moving forward, because uh, it definitely leaves it open for more movies. Um, I hope they don't go even crazier trying to top themselves with this one. Mm-hmm. I hope it's more... I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I hope it's a little more grounded. I, no, I understand you know, that. Like Make it more in tone with the first movie where, yeah, it's a little out there. But it's still somewhat believable. Mm-hmm. You know, I could believe Colin Firth as, uh, you know, gentleman fighting a bunch of roughs in a in a pub with his umbrella. A lot more than a laser lasso. The laser lasso, yeah. I think if I would have one complaint, it'd be that thing. <laughs> I'm like, that is such a ridiculous weapon. Um, that's so overpowered, like. He should be using that exclusively. He yeah. doesn't need anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he obviously doesn't need anything else. I mean. Yeah. I mean, like that's and, and the fact that he doesn't kill uh, the first Galahad or Galahad Senior, um, the first chance he gets with that thing. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like you could have totally taken him out. Well, I think that the idea there is that. Is, is is going towards the fact that he still isn't a bad guy. He like like I said, he doesn't work for Poppy. He just thinks that he's doing the right thing because drug dealers or drugs are the reason why his his girlfriend 
his high school girlfriend was killed in a uh, meth shootout, apparently. So he doesn't want to kill another agent, but he does want to make the point that he could. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I get what you're saying also. Like, yeah, if you have it already around his neck, might as well just pull the trigger and, you know, you all you have to deal with is, is Eggsy. I didn't like how easily they took out Poppy, too. I mean, once again, she's the mastermind. She's like Valentine. Valentine himself wasn't able to fight. He, you know, he was a genius, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be hard to take down. If you get all you get, you get past all of his uh, his his people, so it's the same with her. Yeah, she she dies of an overdose. You know, it's kind of just it's silly, but it's it's the getting to that that person is the the hard part. Real quick though, I even though I didn't like how simply and easily she got taken out, I actually really liked how she looked as she was dying. Mm-hmm. With like her eyes starting to point in different directions and, and roll like, back, and yeah, and her skin changing color all nasty. Like that was kind of cool. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's gruesome, but I like it. So I'd say that some of the things that I like, I, I really enjoy uh, Matthew Vaughn's look. His the way he he makes a movie, uh, you know, feel like like you're part of it, and uh, the, the just the overall tone and look of of it, uh, the way he films things. Um. Well, I, I, Taryn Edgerton, I think, did an amazing job. Uh, I like that he still, that the character still keeps like a lot of its his. Uh, what's that? What's the word that they have for his type of character? His type of uh, person over there. Um, his gentlemanliness. No, 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 <laughs> no. The his, his the way that he's not a gentleman. Oh, he his, says things like "bruv" and you know. Oh, his um. Uh, I forget what those uh, the the nickname for those kind like of people his are. Chaviness. Yes, chavies. Yeah. Uh, chavs or whatever. Um, I I like that they kept that, and you know, he, he keeps his old friends, and he even takes the princess to hang out with his, you know, these friends that are very much, you know, just neighborhood guys. Yeah, just a couple of dude, and one of his friends is like the most British-looking dude ever. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, he looked like he could be a, a Dursley from the look of him. <laughs> uh, then I also I also enjoyed. Um, I I mean I enjoy, I mean I enjoyed the fight scenes again. I enjoyed uh, the, I enjoyed the story for the most part. But some of the things I didn't like were I I don't know I don't know how I feel about the statesmen in general. Like I didn't like that each one of them. Well, one I. I, I guess it's okay that it, that it's a liquor company, you know. The statesman <laughs> headquarters a li- is a giant bottle. A giant bottle, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny that they that they did liquor when they they created their thing. So now that they're worth you know in the trillions because people love to drink in America apparently, uh, and it just makes me think. Also, like, is this just what they think of Americans in general? I was thinking that. I was like, is this what like the British are like writing Americans as like a bunch of cowboys. Yes. And, <laughs> just a bunch of cowboys. That, Cause that's all we see. We never see any like normal Americans. It's all, I mean, in the first movie you have that like crazy Baptist church. That's yes, that goes crazy. That's true. And then in this one, yeah, you have a, uh, even the president in this has a Southern accent. Yeah. Like everybody's like a caricature. Yeah. Uh, the Which, only people that seem normal are, uh, 
the president aide and um, Halle Berry's character, Ginger Ale. Right. Everyone else either has a southern drawl or is kind of an exaggerated caricature of an American. So uh, I don't know how I feel about the statesman at this point. Uh, You know, being one, the, the, the main guy, Jeff Bridges, is, is his name is Champ, or which is short for Champagne. Uh, Channing Tatum's character is Tequila, and Pedro Pascal's character is uh, Whiskey. And then, obviously, Halle Berry is, is Ginger Ale because she's the Merlin of their group. So you think they have a, a hipster member of the Statesman who uh, who's... Codename is Paps Blue Ribbon. Uh, he's pr- they probably more than likely because they were all kind of hard liquors. So I would assume that he would be. Um, well, ginger ale. Well, that's what I'm saying. She's oh, she's yeah, the she's, Merlin. She's the outside. She's replacing. and She becomes whiskey at the end. She becomes whiskey at the yeah, end. So, true. but what's the what's the, the the green fairy drink? Oh, absinthe. Yeah. So I imagine the hipster person would be absinthe. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Now I, it's in. I just I don't know it's, it, I don't know how I feel about the statesman at this point. Um, I, I I guess I kind of wanted more out of out of them, and I didn't feel like I got that. Yeah, I kind of felt like it would be like you know the ultimate team up, you know. Yes. West meets the you know the, the new world with the old world. And, or he, something. and it was also funny is that Channing Tatum's character. D- did you feel that Channing Tatum's character was like the American version of Eggsy's Ed- character? That's what I felt. The marketing was trying to tell us, like this is like your equivalent, or like. Well, I mean, even like story wise, like it seemed like Champ was constantly being like, "Hey, Tequila, you gotta, you gotta be more respectful, and you gotta, you know, this is the way of a statesman kind of thing." Like he, Champ and and Tequila had the same relationship that Harry and uh, Eggsy have. I kind of feel like that's what they were going for, but, but we didn't explore it enough. Well, no, because he, like you said, he's barely in it. You know, like he has one cool scene at the very beginning in this introduction, um, and then after which, that, he just kind of doesn't do anything. Which is also interesting because he takes out both Merlin and uh, Eggsy like yeah. easily. Like, they barely put up a fight. So yeah. I don't know if it, what's that say about the fact that. You know, Eggsy is supposed to be the top agent over in in the UK, and he gets taken out by the Americans so easily, even with help from Merlin. But uh, but this is made by a British guy, so I would assume that you know they're not going to just make American so so much cooler or better at it. Yeah, and plus he still rocks the moves when he gets into the uh, the mania phase of this <laughs> droid. Problem. Well, it's Channing Tatum. If you don't have him dancing, you're not utilizing you know him <laughs> his true properly. potential. Yeah, I gotta say though, I found his southern accent to be somewhat believable. So, isn't he from the south? Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, he to me honestly, he's kind of like a blank slate. It's like. He's so not emotive that you can kind of just project anything onto him. <laughs> but I kind of felt like he did a pretty decent job doing that character. And I'm like, oh, well, if you bring some of that to Gambit, if that ever gets off the off the, off off the, the ground, ground yeah, yeah. Then, then maybe it might not be so bad. Although I, I think he doesn't have the right physicality and facial features for a Gambit. No, I don't. It should I, so I, be someone thinner. But It should be someone thinner. But oh. yeah, like yeah, he's got some thunder thighs, man. <laughs> well, he's got the he's got the you know that big dancer dancer body. You need someone's a gymnast body. Yeah, someone's svelte. Uh, there was there was something else that I wanted I to bring up <laughs> that I didn't like about the movie, and uh, I can't remember what it is at the moment. So 
but I would definitely say that it's a good movie. Uh, I still enjoyed the first one more, maybe just because that w- it was unique then, and now we're building off of that. Uh, I definitely am interested in, in seeing part three whenever that comes out or whatever that's about. Yeah, and I would tend to agree. I think uh, I like this movie quite a bit. I was entertained throughout the whole two and a half hours of it. Oh, funny, funny thing. It was supposed to be 80 minutes longer. Oh, really? 80 minutes longer. Wow. Yeah. That would have been a four-hour movie. Yeah, it would have been. Jeez. <laughs> it was already like, and it wasn't one of those where like, oh, man, this movie's just dragging. I no, mean, no. It, it moves. It but, moves. But that was two and a half hours. <laughs> you <laughs> like, definitely feel that two and a half hours at the end. Yeah. That's 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 the thing that I was, I was upset about. Uh, we don't see, and one, at the end of the first movie, we don't really see them rebuilding the Kingsman. <laughs> and we don't see that happening here at the end of this movie either. Like I would have liked to seen that scene where they're either doing recruitment recruitment for more knights and uh and and a new Arthur, but we don't see that. Right at this point all we have is is Harry and and Eggsy on the team. I mean that's two Galahads. Yeah, which I think you're calling it correctly when you say that Galahad will probably be the next uh, Arthur. Actually, you know what I really wanted? I wanted them at the end of the movie to be like, and I had said that earlier in the movie. I said Galahad's going to be the new Arthur. But I wanted them to be like, oh, uh, Elton John actually used to be a <laughs> a, st- a Kingsman, and he's going to be the new Arthur. That would have been pretty epic. I mean... Um, you don't get moves like that just playing the piano when you're kicking That's people in the true. face. I mean, and it could have been like a long-winded thing of like, um, yeah, like I allowed myself to be captured. So yeah. it could be, uh, you know, studying from the inside what's going on. Exactly. That would have been pretty cool. Although early on, the, the that one Elton John scene where he's just kind of standing outside or not even standing, he's like sitting, he's out, squatting yeah. outside of the 50s diner. He's kind of like a petulant child, or not a petulant, but a yeah, a petulant child. He looks like a beaten child. Yeah, he's beaten like, child. He's like all like kind of cowardly, and but he's still got his ridiculously large glasses on, <laughs> and he's wearing like the Adidas track gear. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, man, like, I mean, he redeems himself with that action scene towards the end, but I'm like, if this is all they got him for. And that was no. They definitely utilize him a lot in the movie, yeah. a lot more than I thought. More than Channing Tatum. Yeah, more than Channing Tatum. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Uh, any last thoughts you want to bring up about the movie? No, it was worth it. I liked it. Um, it's uh, if they make an 80 minute extended director's cut, I'd probably watch it. But I have to definitely make sure I clear my calendar. I'll watch it, but maybe in parts. Yeah. Like I'm gonna have to get up and move around some. Uh, same here. It, it's definitely a good watch. Definitely worth your money. So uh, go out and check that out. All right. If anybody else has an opinion on this movie that would like to express it towards us or any of the news articles we talked about earlier, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John is also on Twitter as I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. You can come be a part of our community. Check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network, as well as new articles and uh, videos that we're putting up on our uh, website all the time now. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch saying always remember to geek geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.